Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. Welcome, Superhero. I'm doing a little pre-show note for, I think, the first time ever because I missed something in this interview that I need to address. So this is, a, you're about to hear an interview with Ariel Ford, the amazing Ariel Ford, who's a best-selling author. And um, she was also a force to be reckoned with in the publishing industry um, before she started writing her own books. Ariel is also the sister of Debbie Ford, whose shadow work I have threaded throughout my book, and I've also mentioned her many times on this podcast, but the most important thing is I have her her work threaded throughout my book, Superhero of Love, and I sent the manuscript of my book to Ariel to get her approval before I send it out to publishers. So she gave me a couple comments. I addressed those comments, and then she gave me her um, very generous approval. And then I went even further and asked her for more. I asked her for a blurb for the book, a quote about the book. And she gave me this amazing quote, which is heartbroken, drowning in a sea of sadness, rage, fear, or anxiety. Whether you are the dumper or the dumpy, breakups are devastating. This book is a life raft to discovering how to recover, heal, and move into the life of your dreams. That's the quote she gave me. And I asked her if I could then obviously use that quote to sell the book to a publisher. And I am 99.999% sure that the reason my book sold is because of that quote, because Ariel is so, so uh, highly revered in the publishing industry. So I owe my book to Ariel. <laughs> and I did not make that acknowledgement in this uh, interview. I was so excited to talk to her and I think you can hear my excitement. And so sometimes when I get really excited about an interview, I miss really big points like that one, but it uh, made it necessary for me to do this little pre-show note. So now given that pre-show note and my full bow, my humble bow to Ariel Ford. I now give you my interview with Ariel Ford. Thanks for coming, Superhero. All right. So welcome, Superheroes. We are here with a very special person in my life, Ariel Ford. Very special person in my life that I'm just meeting, really, for the first time, <laughs> even though we have so many friends in common. Ariel Ford is a best-selling author. She is a love guru. She, she knows the secrets to finding your soulmate, as is evidenced by her international bestseller, The Soulmate Secret. Manifest the love of your life with the law of attraction, which has has been published in 21 languages and 40 countries. Uh, and she has several other groundbreaking books on the topic of love. She has led other authors also to their best-selling status in her previous life in the publishing world. And here we are in the midst of a pandemic. She's here for a couple of different reasons. One is that she thinks this is actually the perfect time to find the, your soulmate. And we also are going to talk a little bit about um, Debbie Ford's book, her sister, Debbie Ford, who I've mentioned many times in this podcast and who I mentioned throughout my book. And the reason I had Ariel read my book before it went out to publishers was that I wanted her to give me her stamp of approval on how I treated Debbie throughout the book and Debbie's work. Debbie Ford, if you don't remember, this is your first time listening to this podcast, Debbie Ford, and you don't know Debbie Ford, Debbie Ford wrote a lot of best-selling books on 
the sh on shadow work. She brought basically shadow work to the masses in the United States and beyond. And I did her workshop shadow process in 2011. And that opened up an enormous door for me and did the biggest chunk of excavation that I had had in my life up to that point of all of the shadows that were inside and all the subconscious debris that I didn't even know was there. So I am forever grateful for her to her. And she actually opened the door to the path, that clearer path that led me to my spiritual teacher, Master John Douglas, too, who does more excavating. But Debbie's work consistently continues to excavate for me. So, so I welcome you, Ariel Ford. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're, I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, thank you, Bridget. It's really fun to uh, put a face to the voice. I know it's so I'm so I'm so I'm so I've been so excited to talk to you so um one thing that I didn't say in that introduction is that Debbie passed away so her books though you guys her books are still out there available to guide you through um looking through your looking into your shadows those subconscious places that are driving us that we don't know are driving us and I cannot more highly recommend I'm constantly recommending Debbie's books to people but she passed away and after she passed away, something kind of magical happened for you, Ariel. <laughs> and I want you to tell them the magical story that then led to Debbie's new book, which you birthed into the world, Your Holiness, Discover the Light Within. Okay. Well, um, so Debbie, Debbie passed away seven years ago. I can't believe it's been seven years. I know. I know. And, I, and time is just so difficult for me these days but I think it was about three years ago that I got a call from James Von Prague and many people know who he is he's a psychic medium uh, he's world famous for talking to the dead the movie The Sixth Sense was about his life there was also a TV show uh, I don't remember the name of it that was all about his life anyway he's, he's just spectacular at what he does and he's a longtime family friend. And I got a call from him one day and he said, oh, I've just moved to San Diego and I would love for you and your husband and your mother to come for a visit. I'd like to show you my new place. And, and he, this was the, the carrot he hung out for us. And I'll do a reading for you with Debbie, which you can't actually buy a reading with James Von Prague. When he does readings, it's on a stage with 3,000 people in the audience and a few get picked to get a reading. So, of course, we said yes. And he lives about oh, maybe an hour away from us in Rancho Santa Fe, this very she-she neighborhood with big estates. And we went to his home and got the grand tour of the, you know, the giant house and the pool and the pool house and the gardens and the solar panels and really gorgeous place. And then we sat down in his office for the reading. And um, as soon as he sat down and closed his eyes, Debbie came through. And the first thing out of James's mouth was Debbie saying, Ariel, you have to write a prayer book with me. And it's like, what are you, crazy? I don't know how to write a prayer book. And she's like, no, 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 you have to write a prayer book with me. And it's like, Debbie, that's never going to happen. I don't want to write my own books, let alone write your books from the other side. This is not going to happen. And then, you know, then other stuff started to happen. And Debbie was uh, giving different kinds of information. And there were other dead relatives that were coming through and sharing things with us. But every five or 10 minutes, Debbie would pop in with, Ariel, you have to write a prayer book with me. And I was like, no frigging way. That's not going to happen. Which is also, can I just interrupt and say it's so Debbie to yeah, like Debbie, just keep. Very bossy, very bossy. She's still bossing me around from the other side. So, so then James gets this really strange look on his face. And he says, he says to us, she keeps talking to me about Minnie. Who's Minnie? I was like, oh my God, now you're just showing off, James. So Debbie has a son named Bo. And what the world doesn't know is that Bo has a half-sister in London named Minnie. And on top of that, Minnie's not even her real name. That's her nickname. 
And I, and I, so I explained to James who Minnie is and she, and he said, Oh, now it makes sense. Debbie wants you to know that she was with Bo and Minnie two weeks ago when Minnie was visiting. Like nobody in the world knew that Minnie was in San Diego. Nobody. You know, I've read so, that story before and I just got chills like from the top of my head all the way down to my toes. Again, right? every time I hear that story, it, oh my it's God. Like so crazy. So the reading's gone, gone on for like 90 minutes, which is a really long time because like I said, all these other dead relatives are coming through and Debbie's still hawking me about the prayer book. And, and finally, um, James just says, says to me, listen, she's not going to go away until you agree to do this book. And I said, James, how am I going to do the book? You're the one talking to her, not me. And he said, I don't know. We're going to have to figure it out. And finally, I just said, okay, I don't know how we're going to do this, Debbie, but okay. And then the reading was over. So we're driving home and in the car on the way home, Brian, my husband says, you know, I spent so much time with your sister. I drove her to almost all of her chemo treatments. I sat with her through the treatments and we spent a lot of time together. And he goes, I have this vague memory of her telling me that she had written some prayers. You know, why don't you call Julie and see if she has them? Now, Julie's the woman who runs Debbie's business. And I thought, oh, okay. So I get home and I, I shoot Julie this very short email that says, I know this is going to sound weird but do you have copies of any prayers that Debbie wrote? And she writes me back and she says, oh, I can do better than that. I have an entire manuscript. And I'm like, what? How is that possible? I'm Debbie's literary agent. I know everything she's ever written. How did and she sister. write? Ancestor. Right, right. Sister, manager, agent. how did I not know this? And then the next email comes in is a 200-page manuscript called your holiness it's a prayer book that debbie wrote and you know and i'm writing back to julie saying when did this happen how did this happen because the truth was in the last couple of years of debbie's life even though i spoke to her often we didn't talk about, talk about books we were talking about experimental treatments and healing and miracles and gospel music and whatever we could and julie explained to me that um, that Debbie had written it uh, and she had talked directly to her editor about it and he shut her down and said he didn't want it. So she just put it away, which is why I never saw it. So I thought, okay, so I, I pick up the phone and I call Gideon, the editor, who's also my editor. And I said, you know, hey, Gideon, hi, it's Arielle, how are you? He's like, oh, I'm so glad you called. And I said, why? He said, I've been wanting to call you because I've been feeling so guilty because your sister always wanted to write a prayer book and I always shot her down. And I was like, well, Gideon, open your email. Today you get redemption. I just sent you the book. And three days later, we made a deal. And oh. six months after that, the book came out. And the only thing I had to write was the forward to the book, which shares the story of how I got my hands on the manuscript. Oh my God. I still have chills. I mean, it's just like waves of chills that I still am uh, it's, it's just so, just so magical. So completely nuts because I had no idea that she'd written this book, just none. And not only was the book written, it was done. It was edited. It was in perfect condition. I mean, it was so beautiful. Uh, so, so Debbie got her prayer book and I got my wish, which was, I didn't want to write a prayer book. And, um, and that's what happened. And oh I'm hoping there aren't any other manuscripts that I don't know about. Julie swears to me there aren't, <laughs> but, you know, but it's Debbie. So you never know. Well, you know, she, she, she would find, she could find a way to push it through to well, the other stuff from the other side. She does. Like, um, I'm in the I'm in the last home stretch of completing my first novel, and the and I never wanted to. I've written eleven nonfiction books. Writing a novel was never on my to do list, and yet the story came to me like a movie in my head, wow, by piece. And and I know that it's all Debbie's doing, that the, the way the story's unfolded, that all of this. You know, it's, it's like this, 
collaboration between my imagination and what she wanted to do. And um, I'm just about to finish it. And then not only do I know it's going to be a book, I'm even more sure it's going to be a movie. Wow. Because of the way it unfolded in my head. So, you know, even though she doesn't have her body anymore, she is very active. She's so busy. Right? She's so busy. Yeah. And I get, I often get calls and emails from strangers who say to me, you know, oh, um, well, you don't know me and I never knew your sister, but I was walking through the bookstore and this book fell off the shelf and hit me in the head and I read it and I could feel her with me, you know, like stuff like that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was really close to my dad and he died in 2009 and I feel like ever since his death, our, our bond has actually gotten even closer and closer oh. and closer. Do you feel that way? Totally. Yes. Because there's, there's nothing in the way of the connection. And uh, in the beginning, I didn't trust the communication because I would, I would feel her talking to me and she would say things and she would make demands of me that I didn't want to do. But I learned if I'm, and every time I would do it, like she'd say, tell so-and-so X, Y, and Z. And I was like, I can't do that. That's so weird. I can't call them up and tell them X, Y, and Z, but I would. And then they'd like burst out crying saying, oh my God, that, that of course, Debbie told you to tell me that I needed to be reminded of this, that, or the other thing. So wow. now when she's talking to me, I no longer question it. I mean, sometimes I still resist it because sometimes it's pretty weird, but um, we do have a, a, a much faster communication. Yeah. And you guys are really different. Like you both are brilliant in your own ways, but you're the way that you do the way that you write the way, you know, everything, yeah. your work is very different, even though there's so oh, many overlaps. Twins. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> no, I'm really, we picked, you know, it's like we both had her book, Spiritual Divorce and my book, Hot Chocolate for the Mystical Lover, 101 True Stories of How Soulmates Met. Those two books came out on the same day. So I'm writing about the light side of love and she's writing about the end and the dark side of love. And, yeah. you know, That's hilarious. So we had all the bases covered. Right, right. I love it. I always say the name of her book incorrectly. It's Your Holiness, Discover the Light Within. And I always call this book Drenched in Holiness. Well, that's because it's the of, yes. prayer in the book. Yes. So I, would, I was wondering, do you want to read that? Because we should, we, I want to I give them. Have it, okay. I don't have it in front of me. I have it. I have it in front of me. Do you mind okay, if I so read you, it? No, go for it. Okay. No, I just, because I, I want to give them a taste of what, sure. what the book is. And first of all, when I, when I opened the book, and I've given this book to a bunch of people, and I was, t I was explaining to you, I'm not in my normal house, and all my books are in the back of my garage, which are unearthable, right? So, so my copy of the book, but thank you for sending me um, some of the prayers. And when you sent me this one, I was so happy, because I remember opening it and seeing the phrase drenched in holiness. And I, I just feel like even that title right now, it's washing over me, right? Okay, so I'm going to read it. This is Debbie Fords. This is a, one of the prayers in her book, Your Holiness. Dear God, Spirit, Divine Mother, on this day, I ask you to grant this request. May I know who I am and what I am every moment of every day. May I be a catalyst for light and love and bringing inspiration to those whose eyes I meet. May I have the strength to stand tall in the face of conflict and the courage to speak my voice even when I'm scared. May I have the humility to follow my heart and the passion to live my soul's desires. May I seek to know the highest truth and dismiss the gravitational pull of my lower self. May I embrace and love the totality of myself, my darkness, as well as my light. May I be brave enough to hear my heart, to let it soften so that I may gracefully choose faith over fear. Today is my day to surrender anything that stands between the sacredness of my humanity and my divinity. 
that slays me every time. <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely breathtaking. And, you know, um, the reason she wrote this book was because she believes that prayer saved her life. Um, and when Debbie was in, in her late teens and 20s, she was a hardcore drug addict. And she had been in and out of seven treatment centers. And when she was in her seventh and, and treatment center, she knew that if she didn't make it through, that she wouldn't live much longer. Because um, the week before she finally committed to going to treatment again, she had consumed over a thousand Percodan. And not just a thousand pills of Percodan in seven days, but she was also uh, smoking cocaine and cigarettes at the same time. She was, you know, way out of control, but she was always a very high functioning addict. She could fool anybody. She always looked good and she was running multiple businesses and she was a mess and she knew she was dying. And on her third or fourth day of treatment center, um, she just had the urge to run. She just like wanted to get out of there in the worst way. And so she went to the bathroom, locked the door, got on her hands and knees, and really for the first time in her life, prayed for the strength to spend one more day in treatment so that she could potentially live a full life. And she had this transformational experience where she just knew that she could make it one more day. And so prayer became her daily practice of survival. And um, so the book, Your Holiness, has many of her own prayers, like Drenched in Holiness, as well as favorite prayers by her, her favorite poets. Uh, and it's not just prayers. The book is a narrative of how she used prayer in every area of her life to rebuild herself and to succeed in life. So it's a, it's a really beautiful, personal, spiritual memoir. I have to say that that was, um, you know, as a leader leading people through the shadow process, through diving into those dark places and shining light where we don't want to shine light. Um, I have to say, I was never a drug addict, but I... I love the fact that she was, you know, I, I love the fact that she came from the darkest, the, the oh. bottom, and she was grabbing our hands and saying, nothing, nothing can stop you from doing this work. Yeah. Come with me. And she would, you know, she had a way of grabbing your hand forcefully, but with great, great love. She yeah. Was and, and the other thing that was really different and special about her work is that she never promised you that you were going to wake up one day and it was all going to be better. Right. She told you from the beginning that you were going to spend the rest of your life shining light on your darkness. And that if you could get to acceptance that we are all both the light and the dark and find a way to um, find the gold in the dark. Mm -hmm. Right. Know? Keep mining. As opposed to keep resisting and saying, okay, well, I read the book, I did the workshop, how come I'm still fucked up, right? Right, right. <laughs> and one of the ways she did that was by having her own aha moments, like uncovering her own shadows right in front of you, like, right, right. you know, like, which was also breathtaking. Like, right. yeah, I just got yeah. something from my, we can always get something from each other, unearthing one of those golden nuggets, right? Right, well, because that's sort of the, the most disappointing thing about personal growth is that you think you're going to be fixed and whatever your core wounds are and whatever amount of work you do on them we are all going to die with our core wounds they are never going away but the good news is we can learn to manage them we can learn to self-soothe we can learn to love ourselves in spite of them, or what I like to call wabi-sabi love, where we seek to find the beauty and perfection in imperfection, and what Debbie would call finding the gifts, instead of being on this, uh, this path of, okay, well, when I'm perfect, or when I lose the weight, or when I gain the weight, or when I do this, then I'll be worthy of love, then I can have success as opposed to who I am right now in this moment is enough. 
Not that I'm not going to keep working on myself, but I'm enough right now. I am lovable enough right now. And if we can accept the fact that we are imperfect and flawed and that our soulmates will be imperfect and flawed, then we stand a shot at having a good life. Yes. Speaking of good life, you guys just celebrated two days ago, your 22nd anniversary. So, so, uh, you know, just like Debbie taught from her growth experiences and from creating breakthroughs for herself so she could lead to grab our hands and take us. You do the same thing with people finding their soulmates because you did that exact thing. So talk about that um, journey. Well, actually, um, so, so what I have, my area these days is teaching people to find love, keep love and be love and finding love is the absolute easiest part of it. I mean, it, it's so stupid simple that the only thing getting in somebody's way is you know, their, their unwillingness to participate, really. I could teach anybody how to find love if they're, if they're willing to participate. But keeping love, that's where all the real work is, you know, because that's where the deepest work on yourself is, you know, because Listen, let's face it, living with somebody 24-7 is not easy, you know, and you can't change anybody and you can't fix them, you know, so there's an art to learning how to communicate with love and respect and kindness, and there's an art to uh, accepting yourself and accepting the other, you know, Um, so that's really become more of my life's work these days, and the whole being love uh, is, is really, you know, There's so many people out there, probably everybody we know, who if you said to them, are you a spiritual being? They Mm -hmm. would say, yes, of course, I'm very spiritual. But they're lying. And how do I know they're lying? Because the people who consider themselves spiritual are some of the most judgmental people I've ever (laughs) met. They are judging themselves first, and they're harshly judging themselves. And then they're judging you. Oh, they may think you're the greatest teacher when you're on stage talking, but they don't like your haircut or, or they think, you know, you should do something about your teeth or maybe you've gained a few pounds or whatever. And because the truth is nobody's really defined what spirituality is. And the truth is spirituality is about having love and kindness and compassion and empathy for the other. And how do you practice that in your life? Spirit, you don't judge spirituality by how many Deepak Chopra books you have and how many green drinks and hot yoga classes you're doing. Right. <laughs> that, you know, you know if, if hot yoga teachers and meditation teachers were spiritual, there wouldn't be constant um, me too things going on in the yoga rooms around the country. Right. right. So just right. someone does yoga or meditates is no, no way of gauging whether or not they're really spiritual being, or even if they're trustworthy. Right. You know, right. what it does mean is they're trying to practice a healthy lifestyle, but they're cloaking it in this false spirituality. Right. And it's definitely a cloak. It's a beautiful shimmering. Beauty. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Shiny, shiny object. I mean, that, um, that was the essence of Debbie coming up with, with the title for the dark side of the light chasers, mm-hmm. you know, because we, when we first went to New York to sell that book. Which well, is a great primer, uh, you guys, on shadow work. Great primer on shadow yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, that's, okay. that's her core book that she was on Oprah for many times. That we were talking with this woman who ran one of the biggest imprints at Penguin, and, and she finally just looked at, I think we called the original title of the book was like shadow dancing or something. And she said, I don't know if I really get this. Debbie, what do you really do? And Debbie just looked at her and said, I work on the dark side of all the light chasers. And she said, now that's a book I'll buy. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what it is. There's all yeah. these people and they're all sort of getting uncloaked right now during this time of COVID where... They're all, you know, sweetness and light and I'm doing my practices and this and that. And in the meantime, on social media, if you follow them, 
They're the ones perpetrating the conspiracy theories that the virus is caused by G5 and that Bill Gates is the devil and don't wear a mask because it's bad for your health. You know, and yeah. suddenly they have the same belief systems as the white supremacists. And I'm like pulling my hair out going, what the F? What yeah. is going on here? It's so, you know, crazy you fucking a, times. You have, your job is getting harder by the day, you right. know, because you want people to get into an authentic place and understand, yes, we all have a light side, but baby, your dark side is even bigger than you know. Yeah. And, you know, how can we work with it? And, and what a great opportunity this is with all the, you know, I, I mean, I remember when, when Trump, you know, after I came out of my depression haze, after he was elected. Oh, that um, six months. Right. <laughs> Some people are still in it, right? Yeah. But I remember thinking, okay, this, I was lulled to sleep with Obama. And this is bringing up to the surface the stuff that I thought wasn't there. I thought Obama handled it or something. I don't know what right. crazy shit was going well, no, on in my no. brain. We thought, we thought he was proof that right. civil yes. rights had worked. You yes. know, how could yes. we have a black man in the White House if we were racist? Little did we know. Right, right. And yeah. It's worse than we could have ever imagined. Yeah. And so now, it's coming to the and surface. And now people have permission. Right. <laughs> I know. And just hopefully the, they, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an, but my point was that it's an opportunity to look inside because, and Debbie would say this too, right? The outside is just a reflection of what's going on in here, right? All of our shadows. I'll have, have, I'll have to say though, Jeff Malone really helped me get this distinction on this because I was spending a lot of time thinking, you know, cause I, I I'm not triggered so much anymore, but there was a time where I, every time I heard Trump's voice, I had rage and hate, and I just wanted to kill him. And I was like, well, what would Debbie say? What would Debbie say? And where in me? Where's my little Trump in me? And finally, I talked to Jeff about it one day. Who was one of Debbie's top yeah, teachers. He, he, Debbie trained him to lead the process, and he ran her business for a while, and they were very close. And he's like part of our family. And he said to me, he said, you can't do shadow work on a sociopath. You can't look and see them as a projection of you because it's not equal. So you could look and say, well, of course, am I a liar? Yes, he's yes. a liar, I'm a right. liar. But when you look at the, the whole list of how he bees in terms of looking out for him and nobody else, you can't, you can't use shadow work the way we understand it hmm. to make sense of it hmm. and which which does make sense to me so yes do i have a little bit of trump in me i do as do we all yeah but me embracing those things isn't going to change anything on the outside right no 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 i just i me know getting I, out and voting and yeah. contributing Right. And, and getting educated and taking a stand to be an anti-racist and doing all of that. Yeah. So yeah. we have to be in action, which is sort of the, also the flip to all the goodness and light people who just want to like, you know, do a global hug and say, let's pray for peace. It's like, yeah, pray for peace and start stuffing envelopes. Yeah. And I think uh, I'm going to give a shout out to two books that I just read in the last couple of weeks. One is How to Be an Anti-Racist, which I can't more highly recommend, and I learned so much. Um, and um, and then uh, Eloquent Rage um, by Brittany. Oh my God, I'm lose. I forgot her name. Brittany Cooper. Um, she's a professor. Anyway, they those are two unbelievable um, uh, uh, just textbooks, basically on you know how, and and her book. Um, um, uh, I just lost her name. What was her name? Oh, for eloquent, Brittany. Brittany. Brittany really does does have you look inside. Like I had some aha moments about myself, right? And we, I, I think, I really do still believe that we have to keep looking inside and looking at the pieces of all of this that are inside of us and how we are at all responsible and have. Yeah, been I mean, well, yeah. I mean, there's just no way that we don't have racist parts in us, especially if we're white. You know, I, I'm very fortunate to be part of a couple of really big groups of other transformational leaders. And we had a whole 
uh, Zoom with like 65 people and two of our black members led it and was explaining to us and then gave us permission to speak, you know, where we, where we know that we're still racist, you know, like, you mm -hmm. know, like if I, I, if I were walking down a dark street at 11 o'clock at night and I saw a black man in a hoodie, there's no question I would cross the street, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that there's this innate stuff that comes in there, but we haven't had the wherewithal and the permission to, to speak about it, you know, mm -hmm. and you need to get educated. So luckily those things are happening now. Totally. Yeah. And, and I don't know that it's going to get fixed in our lifetime. You know, certainly the, the amount of police brutality that continues to happen, you know, week after week, it's just like, what's yeah. it going to take? I don't know. So, But we're shining a bright light on it, at least, and keeping somebody's always hold. Now somebody's always taking over the light. Like, I think we just kept dropping the light, right, all over these years. Well, I think, I think one of the, for me, a turning point moment came this week when Amy Klobuchar dropped out of the yeah that was fantastic BVP making it very clear yes Biden you need to pick a woman of color to be VP yeah I thought that was just like hallelujah yeah that right? was great yeah just, that was very generous we and need more politicians willing to think beyond them their small themselves self. yes yeah um so back to the 22 year anniversary. So yeah. let's talk about how you conjured up your husband because that's, that's also a great story, which gives us a window into your work as well. Well, it's, it's really law of attraction 101. It's all it is. It's the law of attraction states that we draw to us the people, places and experiences that match our state of being. So if our state of being is I'm loved and lovable and lucky in love, that's what our experience will be. Or if, you know, we, we believe that I'm a loser in love and love is for other people and I'm too old and too fat and too damaged and all the good ones are taken and the one that was got away, that too will be your experience. So there's, it's not like there's any shortage of love on the planet. Just like at least in the Western world, there's no shortage of clean air to breathe and fresh water to drink and there's no shortage of love on the planet there are 7.5 billion people alive right now half of them are single so even i'm not a math genius there there's you know hundreds of thousands of potential soulmates for everybody there's no shortage you know? and, and if you go online yeah. okay, point seven five billion people to choose from everybody <laughs> There's at least 40 million singles in America. 40 million, oh. that's a lot. Yeah. You know, so all you have to do is get online and be really clear and specific and, you know, invest some time, just like you go online to look for a job and you know what kind of position and where you want the job to be and how much you want to get paid and how you want to feel when you're there and, you know, what the responsibilities are. You know, you put all that energy and clarity into figuring out your career, take a little of it, put it into your love life, you know, and we started off by talking about why this is the best time ever in the history of the universe to find a soulmate. I mean, it couldn't be any better than it is right now. And here's why. Okay. For one thing, all of us in America have been on lockdown. Some of us for 90 days or longer. Okay. We all know what it's like to be alone or living with some roommate that isn't a lover. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so if your deepest desire is to be with your soulmate, okay, you're now clear about that. You also have new requirements. You now know that we could go into lockdown again in the future. You know, you may have been saying, oh, I really want a multimillionaire. Well, maybe that was true before, but now having multi multiple millions doesn't do you any good. You can't go anywhere. You know, there may be other things that are more important to you now, or maybe they had the multiple millions and then the market crashed and the market's not coming back anytime soon. So you have to rethink what are the heart traits and qualities and values that you want in a life partner. You now have these distinctions you didn't have on March 1st, okay? Right. right. So it's time to redo that part. 
then it's time to get online. Now, here's why getting online is so great. You can't go meet anybody for coffee at Starbucks. It's life-threatening to do that. But you can video date. And the thing that's so great about video dating is that you can ask questions you could have never asked at Starbucks. Right. You can dig deep from the very first question. And the very first question could be, well, who have you been in lockdown with? Now, suddenly you learn everything about them. Oh, well, my ex-wife and I are together with the three kids because blah, blah, blah. Or I've been all alone. Or, you know, whatever it is. You can, and then you can ask them, well, what, what has been the surprising good thing about it? And then you go a little bit deeper and you ask them, well, what's really been the hardest part for you? And you find out if they have any emotional IQ and if they're willing to get real and vulnerable. So in the course of 15 minutes, you've just done five dates worth of investigating to see if you even want to do a second video date. That's so great. Yeah. I, I have, I was just realizing just a few days ago, I was like, oh my God, I haven't talked to you. My dear, lovable friend, Trudy Strobel, who's this amazing Holocaust survivor, an extraordinary artist, and she was supposed to have an art show that got canceled, of course, and her book launched. Her book came out about her life and her art uh, during this time, and she's very precious to me, and I would have been very much involved in all of this activity, right, had that all taken place, and all of a sudden, I realized, oh my God, I haven't talked to her in like three weeks. Like, do you know what I'm saying? My point is, I'm like, I'm focusing on, like, I'm focusing on, I'm doing a lot more meditation. I'm just doing more inward stuff and silence. Like, I'm not on the phone as much. So I feel like uh, we were talking about turtle time. A friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours is in turtle time. <laughs> I feel like I'm a turtle right now. So I'm not. That, that is the appropriate place to be. Okay. We're in liminal space right now. Hmm. You know, we're in this very delicate time from the known to the unknown, what's the future? And there's not a living person on the planet who can give you an answer. Nobody has any answers. And if they tell you they do, they're lying. There's never been a liminal time like there is now because we're going through it globally as a collective. Mm-hmm. So it's really a time to be really gentle with yourself, to nourish all of your senses as best you can. Like I've lost 20 pounds during this time and it was never on my to-do list. I didn't plan on losing weight. It really happened because I'm not a very good cook and I'm so (laughs) bored with what I can cook that eating, I realized it wasn't so much food that I loved. It was the act of going out and being with friends and, and all of that is what I enjoyed. And since that's pretty much cut off, and it just became a feeding time and it was boring. I ended up dropping all this weight. Wow. Because uh, yeah, you look fantastic, but you always look fantastic. Well, I'm, and I'm looking forward to going back to restaurants. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I really miss it. Um, but yeah, so we're in this liminal space. And I think we have to just uh, be really kind to ourselves, you know, and because I went through this other phase where I thought, okay, well, every day, I'm going to do my mindfulness thing twice and I'm going to work out twice and I'm going to do this. And, and I came and, you know, and then I saw that I wasn't doing it. And finally I said, Oh, the hell with that. I'm just going to wake up in the morning and just say, well, what do I want to do now? Mm. What do I want to do now? And what's the next thing I want to do? Oh, I want to take a nap or I want to read a novel or, or I don't know, I'm going to binge watch TV. Oh my God, we've watched the best series on Netflix, one after the other, you know. Yeah. It's, it's been so much fun. Yeah. And so on a lot of levels, I'm grateful for this time to um, drop away, you know, lots of old behaviors and come up with a few new ones. And it's been also very creative for me as I'm completing my novel. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's also, you know, you guys, uh, you always, I always think of you as newlyweds, even though you've been married 22 years. Like, in fact, when I first heard about you and started reading about you and Brian, um, 
I was like, oh my God, did they just get married? Because they, they talk about, you know, you guys talk about each other and you spark each other as if you're newlyweds, right? Yeah. And uh, so I was shocked that you had been married as long as you had, which at that point was probably 15 years. And, uh, but this, this thing of like, I, I can totally imagine you guys are digging each other. You know, like some marriages you go, oh, I wonder how that's going behind closed doors in the, in the pandemic. Well, you know, we, we <laughs> give each other a lot of space, you know, and, and um, you know, one of the things we decided when we first got together was that we were going to make decisions not based on what does Ariel want or what does Brian want, but based on what is best for the relationship. Mm. And we still really operate out of that, you know, and we know each other so well now that even though I could totally push his buttons and vice versa, we choose not to. We choose to do the kindest thing possible. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, if somebody said, well, here's a magic wand, you could change anything. Of course, I'd have a list of things I'd change, but I've learned that, you know, I don't want anybody changing me. Mm-hmm. You know? So, right. So, and and we fortunately our house is big enough that um, during the day we're pretty much apart because I like silence, and Brian loves noise. He loves music, right? Oh, he loves yeah, music yeah. and he loves news. Oh, he loves news too. Oh, Didn't know that about you. Him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a total, total news junkie. So, you know, during the day, I'm here in my little creativity cave, and it's nice and peaceful, and he comes down to visit, and I go up to visit, because it's downstairs, and it's great, and we share lots of information, but, you know, I was telling somebody today, if we were in a, a, a two-bedroom place where I couldn't be free of the noise, I probably mm-hmm. would have killed him by now. <laughs> I, I need silence. I need lots and lots of quiet. I'm with you. I've always, my fantasy has always been living next door to my mate. <laughs> and, and you can do that. You know, I explain to people, you know, you, whatever works for you. My, my stepmother's been in a relationship for 25 years now where um, they see each other on Tuesday nights and weekends. And this wow. is forever because after my father, my father was her second husband after he died, she decided she never wanted to get married again, but she did want to be in a committed relationship, but she had rules, you know, right. separate households, you know, and how much time they'd spend together. And it's worked out great. Wow. That's so adorable. Um, okay. So uh, perfect time for love, everybody. I love all those reasons. I love, and also we are, I think we're all getting way more clear on what turns us on, what makes us happy, what brings us joy, what lights us up, right? So um, we're more in touch, hopefully, with our hearts than ever before. So the the road to that soulmate that you clear, but you have so many books on the subject. Um, again, I'm going to say the title of that, um, the, uh, the book that has sold millions of times over in all these countries, the soulmate secret manifest the love of your life with the law of attraction. She also wrote to turn your mate into your soulmate. Um, and, uh, and so, and, and other books as well. So you can find her at arielford.com and I'll put the link in the podcast notes. Ariel, thank you so much. And thank you for, for bringing Debbie back. I just, I got chills like a million times while you were talking. I feel like she was, she was here with us. Should I read, should I read one more um, prayer to close it out? Yeah. Okay. Mm. God, they're so good. All right. Since this is a superhero of love podcast, we're going to do the appreciative heart which is a really good thing to focus on during this time as well. When we want to be judging everything around us, right? Like this is wrong. This is bad and wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So the appreciative heart, dear God, thank you for giving me my body, my hands, my feet, and my heart. Thank you for all the people who are in my life. And thank you for giving me the ability to love, care for, and contribute to others. Thank you for allowing me to grow and evolve, to shed the old and make room for the new. 
Thank you for my ability to see new opportunities to explore new paths. Thank you for giving me the ability to think for myself and more importantly, to make wise decisions. Today, I give thanks for my right to choose new perspectives, new beliefs, new interpretations, new behaviors, new habits, and a new attitude. All God's gifts to me, all free, all accessible at any moment. Thank you, God, for waking me up to how truly blessed I really am. All the people that are seeking it, the ones that I know and the ones that I don't know, may your will be done in all things. And so it is, and it is so. Amen. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for bringing her book to the world. Thank you for all the books that you're doing, you're, you have brought to the world to help us all heal our hearts. You are a true superhero of love, Ariel Ford. Thank you, Bridget. <laughs> Did you, did you want to say anything else that we didn't cover? Was you know, the only thing, if you go to my website, there's this tab called free stuff, which is worth exploring. There's a lot of free stuff. And there's also a link to a free 75 minute webinar. So there's lots of good stuff on the website if you're interested in manifesting love. That was the amazing Ariel Ford. Humble, humble gratitude again to Ariel Ford and all that she's done for the superhero of love world. She is a true superhero of love, isn't she? Go check all of her books. Great training for every superhero of love on this planet Earth. And go to arielford.com. Find those free things that she has to offer you. And you'll see all of her books listed also there. And you can find Debbie Ford's books wherever you get your books. And the book um, that we were looking, that we were um, reading from today is called Your Holiness, Discover the Light Within. And you can go to DebbieFord.com and read more about Debbie also. Thanks for coming today, superheroes. If you like the podcast, please go rate, review it, tell your friends about it. We need more superheroes of love in the fold. And you can bring them in, you superhero. Thanks for coming. Have a great day.